When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, given the title of this story, it also, it obviously um, has some mention of self-harm and mention of suicide. If that's not something you're comfortable hearing about, feel free to skip to the second story or just skip this video altogether. Totally fine. Totally understand. There are plenty of other videos on the channel to watch. Um, but thank you all for listening, and let's jump right into tonight's stories. I hate snow. I hate the way it silently descends from the sky. I hate how cold it is to the touch. I even hate the puddle it leaves behind when it melts. But most of all, I hate it because it reminds me of the night my husband was taken from me. It began with a power outage. I suddenly heard Dan shouting some of his trademark expletives from the adjacent room, muffled only by this thin wall dividing us. On the days that he was scheduled to work from home, we generally stayed out of each other's way, so I was still in bed and mindlessly flipping through some catalog when he came stomping down the corridor. For a man in his thirties, he sure acted like a toddler whenever something inconvenienced him, though. It did make him easy to read, which I found myself appreciating. I begrudgingly abandoned the warm comfort of our bed and rolled onto my bare feet. Everything alright, babe? I called out while scanning the floor for my slippers, only to receive more incoherent ranting in response. I could hear him pacing outside the door until he eventually joined me in the bedroom. Before I had the chance to ask what was going on, he raised his finger toward me and then used those blue, albeit partially bloodshot eyes of his to gesture towards the phone still pressed to his ear. His tone switched from a raving man-child to a professional in an instant. Yes, of course. I understand, sir. I will. Thank you. Have a great weekend, sir. The distinctive sound of the call ending prompted Dan to breathe easy again. He wiped his face with his palm, released a groan toward the ceiling, and then looked down at me. Power's gone, he said, flicking the nearest light switch on and off as if I wouldn't have believed him otherwise. Boss says that I'll have to finish my shift at the office if it doesn't come back in a few hours. I frowned and turned toward the frost-glazed window. It was late in the afternoon, and the snowstorm from yesterday wasn't showing any signs of letting off. The backyard was completely buried underneath a pale blanket of snow. Only the heads of a few lawn ornaments still broke the surface. Needless to say, I wasn't too keen on letting Dan go out there. We contacted the utility company for our area. Though they acknowledged that there had indeed been an outage, they were unable to give us a time frame as to when it was going to be fixed. 
It was an expected response given the hazardous weather outside, but still no less discouraging. Well, at least we know it's not the wiring this time, my husband said while digging through his section of our shared closet. Sweaters, scarves, jackets, and various other clothing items were being haphazardly strewn about. Some of them I hadn't seen him wearing since our college days, back when he used to take me skiing. Isn't forcing you to go out in a goddamn blizzard a health violation or something? You're exaggerating. Besides, if I don't, they'll just wait a week to find an excuse to fire me anyway. Can't afford that. Especially not now. I huffed and glanced down. My swollen belly was poking out from underneath that loose shirt that I'd slept in. I was eight months pregnant at the time. Being on maternity leave, I still got a paycheck at the end of each month, but I felt guilty that Dan was the only one actually working, especially since I've never been good housewife material. As he reached back and placed his large hand over my stomach, a familiar sense of ease washed over me. I smiled. I knew it was temporary, but I held on to that feeling for as long as it lasted. By 8pm, it became apparent that the power wasn't coming back on. I moved some of my blankets over to the living room and saw that Dan had graciously stoked the fireplace for me. In any other circumstance, him standing in the dim, ambient glow could have ever been perceived as somewhat enticing. Unfortunately, any such inclinations were offset by the prospect of his approaching departure. I should be back after midnight. Call me if you need anything, but try not to waste your battery. Who knows how long the outage is going to last he said as he zipped up his jacket. Yeah, yeah, I know. Come here. We exchanged a brief kiss, and I waved him off in a display of feigned indifference. In reality, the thought of being left alone in a cold, dark, and empty house unnerved me. I couldn't let him see that. The last thing I wanted was to give Dan even more reasons to worry about me. I threw a blanket over my shoulders and huddled closer to the crackling fire, seeking comfort in its warmth. The jingling of his keys resonated from the cramped entrance hall behind me, followed by the sound of the front door opening and closing. Having mentally prepared myself for an evening of quiet and solitude, imagine my surprise when Dan came storming back inside. I stood up just in time to witness his shadowy outline slamming the door and bracing against it. Babe? I meekly inquired. I used my phone as an improvised flashlight and pointed it directly at him, only to be taken back by the expression of horror that was plastered across his face. His eyes were nearly bulging out of their sockets, and his mouth was hanging agape, frozen in a mute scream. He was trembling, but it evidently wasn't from the cold. Whatever stood beyond that door, it traumatized him. Broken him. Dan didn't even act as I rushed to his side. Just kept staring onward. He didn't even blink. Getting him to budge was like trying to move a statue, not helped by the fact that he was 90 pounds heavier than me. Daniel, this isn't funny. I hadn't called him by his first name in years. It felt wrong even coming out of my mouth, but I needed some way of conveying to him that he was seriously freaking me out. Some part of me held hope 
that it was all just a stupid act. I lightly tapped my palm against his scruffy cheek. Just tell me what's wrong, please. Nothing. Despite all my efforts, I ultimately failed to coax a single word out of him, so I did what I felt was the next most logical step and decided to call for help. I dialed 911 and made a point of putting the call on speaker, hoping that hearing another voice would have somehow snapped my husband out of his trance. Perhaps made him realize how seriously I was taking this. And that was the single biggest mistake of my life. Instead of the familiar ringing tone, there was a high-pitched electronic shriek. The closest thing I can compare it to would be coil wine, only amplified to an ear-popping squealing that kept increasing in volume. I felt as if my brain was boiling in its own juices, unable to process all the sequences and patterns being force-fed to me by the signal. Worst of all, some of the frequencies began taking shape in my head, forming into strands of alien code. But if they were so foreign, then why did I recognize some of them? How could I possibly have known that two perpendicular lines in a semicircle are all that it takes to summarize our entire existence? Our biology our history, our achievements and purposes, our birth and inevitable extermination. Me and you. Only you are not you. Rather, you aren't meant to be you. Even the concept of you is just a symptom of a greater misconception. I am you just as much as you are you, which consequently means that you are me. But if I am you and you are me, then who or what are we? In a desperate act of preserving what little remained of my sanity, I threw my phone to the floor and proceeded to stomp over it until the signal was no more. Its cracked screen flickered beneath the impact of my heel, and its artificial life got snuffed out in an instant. Drenched in near perfect darkness yet again, I cupped both sides of my pulsating skull and slumped against the wall closest to me. A picture frame fell off its perch and shattered against the tiles, a symbolic representation of the fracturing of my own psyche. Warm tears streamed down my cheeks, only they weren't tears at all. They were viscous, more congealed, and tasted of copper. Blood. My husband wasn't by my side anymore. Of course he wasn't. He was upstairs and looking for the gun his dad had given us before we moved. I always hated that thing. It was probably taking him a while to remember in which cupboard I'd stuffed it, then an additional couple of seconds of fumbling with the safety, and then... It was over. I barely registered the bang over the residual buzzing in my ears. Not that I needed to. The image of him lying face down with a leaking hole in his head was being projected against the back of my eyelids. I was meant to see it. To see him lifelessly sprawled in the middle of our own bedroom, gray matter splattered against the tacky wallpaper and blood seeping between the floorboards. The empty husk of a man that had glimpsed the primordial truth and sought to escape it. Though I wanted to, 
I couldn't blame him for it. I inspected my own hands through red tinted lenses. They were our hands now, down to the last blemish line and wrinkle. I placed them over the writhing growth in my stomach. It settled down. It was a heartbeat, loud, rhythmic, and clear. It told me what I needed to do. There was no running from it anymore. Each step felt more cumbersome than the last. Or was it my consciousness weighing down? The floor no longer felt solid. Instead, it melted and warped beneath me as if the house itself was trying to dissuade me from leaving. I yelled for it to let me go, and it flinched, but only for a moment before continuing to ensnare me in its muck of willful ignorance. Lauren! There was a dark mass crawling down the staircase behind me, a staircase that didn't belong there to begin with. It was black bulbous and covered in amorphous growth, some of which it used to pull itself toward me. Among its pustules and inky tendrils, however, was a face. It wore a face that I had once loved, now stretched and twisted, contorted into grimaces that exposed an entire spectrum of conflicting emotions. Perhaps it didn't know what it was meant to feel. Neither did I. But in the midst of the churning abyss, there remained one constant. A pair of blue eyes. I know none of this makes sense. But that's what tends to happen when you break reality. We, this version of us, were never meant to peer past the one-way mirror. That is where they live. They thrive between the material and immaterial, fulfilling their role as an unbiased observer until the experiment that is humanity reaches its final stage. The three of us had inadvertently breached the protocol and were thus deemed compromised, contaminated. Then again, maybe we were meant to go off script and it was all a test to see how we would react when exposed to the void that our species had once been a part of. Daniel denied it, and was of no further use to them, but me and Max, my precious baby boy, faced it head-on and survived. What happened next remains a blur. I remember how cold the doorknob felt in my hand. I remember a blinding, all-encompassing radiance and an alternating number of silhouettes standing in front of it. Whenever I close my eyes and attempt to picture them, they appear to me as both one entity and as an entire hive, as if individuality as a concept doesn't apply to them. Isolating a single one of their features is impossible, as they simultaneously possess every trait in existence and none at all. Compared to you and me, they are alien in the truest, most literal sense of the word. Our neighbors found me the following morning while shoveling snow off their porch. I've been sitting in the middle of the sidewalk, muttering nonsense and refusing to acknowledge anyone or anything. Once the remains of my husband were also discovered, it became apparent that I'd suffered from a mental breakdown as a result of his spontaneous suicide. Though I had to part 
With a few of my frostbitten toes, I eventually recovered. I even managed to safely deliver Max just a month later. As expected, nobody believes my recollection of what actually happened, and I've spent the last decade of my life trying to forget it myself. So why bring it up now? As of today, it's been exactly ten years since Dan left us. The lights in my new apartment have been flickering for the past few hours, and I'm scared to use my phone. I won't let them have our son, too. You ready? Dan asked. Yeah, I said as I was finishing loading the back of the truck. I'd only moved into town a year back. It wasn't even something I'd planned for, but rising housing costs where I grew up made me want to move elsewhere rather than going back to crash with my parents. Lo and behold, when I even managed to get a job at a decent company, they offered to help with moving costs to join one of their branches, and here I was. At least I thought at the time this was a decent enough company. It was a charity, though I had to admit at the time I didn't notice that they seemed to have a lot of things for a non-profit. That should have been the first red flag, but I never paid it any mind. So let's go then, rookie, Dan said. Dan was a couple of years older than me, but had been nice enough during orientation and what all. Our current job was one that would take us to a city. We were setting up a camp for people without homes. It was a well enough cause, though something did weigh on my mind. Did we really need to go so far for this? I asked him again. We were going a pretty long ways off. The trip itself would take two days. Granted, we'd be paid for all the hours, and the company paid for our housing as well, but why go through all that difficulty? A nearby city was just two hours off, and it wasn't as if where we were going was much bigger either. It's complicated, but we just want to expand our reach, Dan said, the same as when I'd asked him about it last time. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Let's just focus on getting some of these people the help they need. He flashed me a smile and began talking about football, and I forgot about the question soon enough. The camp, as it was, went well enough, with us doing quite a good job. At least I thought so. It mainly involved giving out clothes and food. It was time for us to leave, though, and as we began to ready to set back, I noticed something. Uh, are we taking some people back with us? I asked, confused. I hadn't been told about any of this. Three people, two men and a woman, were riding along back with us in the back. Yeah, they've got some issues which I think we can deal with better back at home, Dan said. They've all agreed to it, so it's no biggie. I was a bit suspicious now, but when I did talk to the three of them, it was obvious that they were there by their own volition, so I thought, alright. I did notice something off. The normally extroverted Dan didn't go out of his way to talk much with the others. It was as if he was actively trying to avoid them for some reason. That said, we were reaching the last leg of our journey. Town was back in sight, though, as I was beginning to dream of going back to my bed, Dan tapped me on the shoulder as we went to a halt. I sat up a little and tried to blink the sleep away. We were practically in the middle of nowhere, 
Come on, he whispered to me as he opened the door and beckoned me to step outside. I was confused, but in my drowsy haze, I didn't really think too much of it as I got off. So, what's up? I asked him. He put a finger to his lips and beckoned me to follow him. Once we were ten minutes away from the truck, he told me to crouch down. What's going on? I asked again. It looked like we were still two hours away from the town's border. He put a finger to his lips. Just stay quiet for now, will you? It was then that his head twitched as if he'd suddenly seen something. I looked in that direction but spotted nothing. Until a minute later, I saw a silhouette of what looked like a dog and far more likely a wolf, I came to realize. What's up with this? I asked. He put a finger to his lips again and hissed at me. Do you know when to keep quiet? Tell me what's going on, I said. He glared at me, but seemed to realize I was only going to make a ruckus if he didn't say something. You know what a skinwalker is? I scratched my head. Uh, no. It's an urban legend, that's what, Dan said. At least I thought so. They're kind of like vampires like us. They're supposed to be people who betray their families for immortality and walk around wearing the skins of their victims, usually animals. You'll find all sorts of stories about them if you go on the internet. They have other powers, too. Mimicking voices of their victims, which is especially creepy. He shuddered a bit. What's this got to do with anything? Long ago, this land used to belong to an indigenous tribe, Dan continued. As you can imagine, as you can imagine, they weren't at all happy to give it up when the colonizers arrived. Our side, I guess you could call it, realized that they were going to lose. And they made a deal with the devil. Or what the devils are to the people around these parts. They invited some of the indigenous folk to a discussion in this area, and then agreed to let the skinwalkers in. I told you, they were like vampires, right? They can't go into someone's property without an invitation. A bead of sweat rolled down my neck. I looked at the horizon again. There were more wolves now. In exchange for getting rid of the natives... The original founders gave the Skinwalkers blink permission to wander into town and any house in its territory, Dan said. If they wanted to, they could get into our houses and kill every single one of us. They won't, though. So long as they're fed enough. And I realized why we'd brought those people along with them. And why we'd gone so far and picked up people without homes so that little attention would be paid if they were to disappear suddenly one day. Before he could stop me, I was sprinting back towards the truck. What are you doing? Do you want to get yourself killed? He screamed behind me. I ignored him and got into the driver's seat, turned the key, and began to move the truck to get out of the area as soon as possible. The skinwalkers were closing in on me, though. They no longer looked like animals now, but the misshapen creatures they really were. I could tell, given the odd way they moved. As I slammed the accelerator, I heard a loud thump on the roof of the truck and then a loud crash to the side of me. One of them had gotten onto the roof and fallen off. 
I turned my head for a brief second outside the window, and then I saw it. It was a monster, running on all fours, somehow keeping up with me, even though I must have been going at 60 an hour. It looked like a skeletonized human, kind of like those pictures of people who have nearly been starved to death, turned up to 11, wearing the fur of a wolf on its back. In the rearview mirror, I could see two more of them trailing right behind me. I gulped and slammed the accelerator even harder, praying that I would survive this. Eventually, it looked like they either had enough chasing me with no result, or I'd reached the boundary of whatever limit they could cross. However, it wasn't until the sun came up that I would finally breathe a sigh of relief. I didn't even stop near the closest rest stop, worried that it also fell into the jurisdiction of the skinwalkers. It was only when it was close to midday that I was nearly falling asleep at the wheel that I stopped, told the others who were quite confused to get off. I think I slept for a whole day after that. I just told the others that it had all been cancelled and they had to go back. I tried forgetting about the place as much as I could, and for a while it seemed to have worked. I got a new job. Pay wasn't as good as the earlier one, but it had no deals with supernatural creatures either. I even began saving up for a down payment on a house. One day, though, curiosity got the better of me, and I asked around about the town. To my surprise, no one seemed to have heard of anything about it or heard from anyone living in it ever since... Well, the incident. Anyone who had gone to investigate never returned. It's given me a horrible feeling. Did I end up costing the lives of everyone in that town? Or is it that the skinwalkers didn't kill everyone there, but simply guard it so that no one can get out or go in? I don't know which is worse, but I have no desire to find out. I can't even name the town. I don't want someone out there coming to hunt me in retribution if they have ties to the place. Let me give you a warning, though. I think if you drive too close to where I'm talking about, you'll realize what the town's name is. All I can say is, for your own safety, please stay as far away as possible from it. I want to give a quick thank you to Absent Alice, Alice E, Amethyst, Amanda Caroline, Christina Smith, CT, Deprotychus, Elizabeth Watkins, LSG, Furious Weasel, If in Doubt, Flat Out, Jesse Jess Jess, Justin Yazaromsky, Karen Parrotcat, Lee Riggs, Lindsay Pruitt, Melody Evans, Melissa Berwick, Mindy Bannon, Moon Potato, Nicholas Moore, Nikki Parsons, Nora, Nova Nocturne, Ray Clegg, Centennial, The New Ongoing 24, Tiger Princess, Triumph, and Victoria Step. All of you are $5 patrons or members. You're supporting the channel every single month, and I really, really appreciate it. If you want a shout-out at the end of each video, just head over to Patreon or click that Join button right underneath the video. Five bucks a month gets you a shout-out at the end of each video. Thank you all for listening. Hope you're having a wonderful day, evening, or afternoon. And as always, stay safe out there.